Hey everyone, welcome back to Clark Overflow. Today we have the co-founder and CEO of LTV Plus, GQ Fu. GQ, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Gannon. Thanks a lot for having me on your show. Absolutely. I, I'm very excited about this because you're talking about a very important part of the customer experience overall. So you, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, customer service outsourcing for e-commerce brands is what you do with LTV Plus? Yep, that's correct. So we provide world-class customer service outsourcing services for e-commerce brands. And just to kind of break that down, we provide 24-7 coverage, omni-channel coverage as well. So, you know, be it voice, SMS, chat, email, you name it, that's what we do. And on top of that, one thing that we're uh, developing a lot right now is the filled payment recovery piece where we're, you know, providing a personalized human recovery on top of the Dunning technologies that subscription-based e-commerce brands are using. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That that's. I mean, I remember I've seen a stat from Profitwell. It might be twenty to thirty-five or forty percent of churn revenue comes from failed payments. So that's a, that's a big piece that's often overlooked. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. I think like when 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 businesses focus a little bit more on recovering the like this this is like a low hanging fruit, right? You know, you have lost revenue on the table, and sure, you've tried out your dunning technologies, but how do you cut through the noise sometimes? Because even when you have email dunning technologies, for example, and you have email campaigns running, sometimes people might just overlook because, you know, you're getting so much email where we're kind of like numb to emails at this point. And you might overlook uh, the fact that you're actually, hey, your, your credit card's actually not working and your next subscription of, I don't know, like protein bars or whatever might not come through as a result, but you just ignore that because you didn't see that. And so that's where I think personalization is kind of like the next step to cut through the noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Now, let's talk about the support element as as kind of like the the starting piece assuming that a brand has done it in-house and maybe you know i fall in this category as well where i do most of the support mainly because we're a small team and i love the direct connection to customers i find that i learn a lot able to add value and ultimately kind of like fulfills this intrinsic need of why we started it because we were like building a business and serving customers but when you're out starting to outsource i'm sure you have really uh, tight operate standard operating procedures and routine so that everything can kind of be plug and play. Can you describe how a brand can kind of create a program that's scalable, that's regimented, that's easy for people to follow, yet also create an amazing customer experience for the end customer? Sure. So, so when we look at it from an in-house perspective, typically, as you like, like you said, uh, maybe a really good way is to start from the point that you know, like, if you have a lean team right now, you know, it's really understanding first of all how much of technology can you use to you know support the amount of customers that you have with the team size that you have. Because uh, yes, well, obviously, you know, as you have an influx of inquiries coming through, you might want to consider having a larger team during those peak periods. And then, you know, working with a partner like us, that definitely makes sense. However, we'd always like to have brands explore like, okay, are you making the most out of your help desk right now, for example? And so if you're having a lot of email inquiries coming through, you're having a lot of chat inquiries coming through, how much of that can you automate? And also in that automation, how much of that can you personalize? So to put to give a little bit of example around that area, uh, when we talk about a simple, simple question for brands, right? Where's my order? And so, you know, you have, you know, you can easily pull information from Shopify and just like put that into your help desk and send that out to when people are asking about the question and they get an information. And so they don't need to necessarily engage with your agents, right? And so that's one part of it. And then on top of that, when there are more complex inquiries coming through, but 
you like a level of personalization in those engagements, you know, there are tools that allow you to then actually bring up the appropriate response when you're just opening up the ticket and you can customize that email reply before you send that out or, or chat response. And so that lowers dramatically the, the amount of time required to respond to tickets. So I think the technology piece and the working with your team size, that's the first thing to look at. Now, when we talk about processes, right, there, there are a few things to consider. Now, the first thing is, you know, what does your training program look like, right? So we talk about support. So this is used, and this is also a mixture of how do you onboard future agents and how do you also onboard an, uh, an outsourcing partner in the, in the environment that you choose to outsource your customer service at some level. And so you have to make sure that your, first of all, your knowledge bases are up to date, right? You know, it's the most obvious thing, but the public face, like internal ones, probably yes, but sometimes people tend to forget because most people are in the flow, especially when you have a smaller team, everyone understands what needs to be done. But when you start to have to train at a much larger scale, that's when the documentation is really much needed. And so you want to make sure your internal knowledge base is up to date. And on top of that, your public facing knowledge base is also up to date because that serves as a two part thing. One, um, you're helping yourselves. And number two, you're also helping customers. They're getting the information they need without necessarily having to hit up your agents. And so thus reducing your workload as well. And then on top of that, once you have the, once you have the training knowledge uh, or training knowledge base and content up to, up to speed, you want to create a, what we call at LTV plus like a 30, 60, 90 day training plan, right? So you want to understand initially, what are some of the skills? Like, is it some basic customer service skills? If for example, the person has the right personality and attitude, but not necessarily the right skill sets, how much time do you plan to train there? You know, how, how much time do you need to train in terms of technical skills? Like how well do they use the help desk, getting their familiarity, getting them familiar with the macros, getting them familiar with the interfaces, understanding the SOPs of the business. So having that training program in place and then gradually kind of warming them up to actual conversations. And so how we usually do that is once you have the initial tech skills and customer service skills in play and product knowledge done, you move on to a kind of like a role play model. And so you would start having I wouldn't say fake tickets, but you you would you could do it two ways. One, you know, your internal agents could already be working with the new agents through role play via chat or email. And then the next step of that is also figuring out, can you already have them leave notes? For example, if it's email tickets, these new agents could already write actual responses to tickets using internal notes. And so that's when, you know, the internal team or the senior team members can vet that and see, okay, you know, are they doing a good job? You know, what can, what can, what kind of information can we, how do we tweak the response to the right way? And so that we kind of tweak the way that they respond in the brand voice because brand voice is really important, right? And so having that shadow, that brief training period. And then once they're used to that in the initial 30 days, you start to have them work on actual tickets without much supervision, just having some guides and then moving on from 60 to 90. And so by, ideally by the end of three months, the agents that are onboarded would already uh, be able to tackle tickets on their own. Okay. Yeah. The, the brand voice thing is an interesting nuance because you can't quite quantify that, but there are things that you can quantify, which is maybe customer satisfaction. I don't think NPS might fall into that, but basically like, were you satisfied with your response? Response time, I guess, yep. number of tickets answered in a day. What, what are some of the metrics that you recommend a support team look at to understand if they're doing a good job or not with their support team currently? Sure. So 
I think it's a mixture. So the first one that we like to always look at is CSAP because that kind of explains the overall experience at that given interaction, right? So typically we send out CSAT surveys at the end of a chat session or an email conversation. So CSAT is one to look at. And, you know, most for, for most clients, we always tell them like to strive for 95% if you're not even there yet. Falling below 90%, depending on the season, maybe that's okay. But you typically want to go get to at least 95%, sometimes even 99% during certain times of the year, right? Let's just say the quieter moments. And then another, another metric to look at is customer effort score as well, because as much as the interaction is great, one thing that brands should also consider is how much effort did the customer have to put in just to get a resolution? And so ideally it's, you know, you're looking to get a, a customer effort score of like, you know, somewhere, I think it's, I think it's between one to five. Yeah. So you want to make it like really easy as almost as effortless as possible, right? Uh, I mean, NPS is obviously great too, but I think that's more in a, uh, it's a, it's a very different kind of interval kind of uh, survey to kind of figure out customer experience at that point. So I, I look at CSAT, CES, and customer, which is a customer effort score. And then of course, we talk about the, talk about the average, the initial response time. Initial response time, because you want to be able to get back to people as soon as they have left the message or engaged with you, right? You know, especially on chat, you know, if it took like five minutes to reply to someone in live chat, that's not a really good experience, but mm -hmm. within the first 30 seconds, okay, right? That's kind of, that's kind of, that kind of works well. And so that's also helping you understand what channels work well for you as a brand. You know, when, when you have a smaller team, do you want to focus on emails and maybe SMS because SMS kind of gives you a little bit more leeway. People understand that you don't have to instantly reply to an SMS at some level. Of course, the earlier, the better. So initial response time is one. The one thing that I'm a little bit more, I say iffy, but more 50-50 on would be how long it takes to resolve a, or how the, the duration of a conversation, right? How long it takes to arrive at a resolution. Obviously you want to arrive at a first, like a first contact resolution. And so you don't have to come back multiple times to have that, have that inquiry resolved. But more about, is, is it necessarily true that you need to finish that in like 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and or, or like five minutes? Because that places an, at some level an unnecessary stress on your agent because they will start thinking, oh, no, you know, I have like 10 other tickets to go through and the SLA is like, I have to finish that in five minutes. Okay, let me just do whatever is needed to finish that and, and, and go. But then that, that doesn't necessarily translate into a great customer experience. And as a result, you know, you might deal with all the hundred tickets really quickly, but everyone's just kind of like, meh, you know, it's just like maybe like a three out of five kind of experience. But if the agent had taken the time and you give them the freedom, and like we like to say, you give them the metrics as guidelines, but at, at the end of the day, it's up to them to, based on your company's, uh, you know, core values, your company's vision, and also brand branding, right? Like, you know, what's the main thing? Because I, I recall a uh, really good example I like to share on podcasts, especially is there was a story that goes around, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, where there is a story of a guy calling in, I think it's to Zappos and it's like on, on their phone service, on their uh, phone support. And they had a conversation. It was more like a personal live conversation versus actual support. But they weren't, so the guy was not talking about anything about um, the product at all or anything about the service, but they were just talking about their own personal things. And the customer support agent stayed on the line all the way. And it took, I think it took quite a few hours at night, but because it was Zappos's, their main thing is to always, you know, make their customers happy. And no matter how long it takes, you know, you just do it. And so that story has been, you know, traveling around people in the CX space know it, you know, when you mentioned it, more or less of one or one, like five out of 10 people might have, might have heard of it. And it just goes to show how, you know, like how handling each customer correctly and, and helping them as much as you can makes a huge difference. And so 
Mm. Coming back, customer experience, customer effort score, customer satisfaction ratings, initial response time, because I think that's super crucial, are the three top metrics. If you're talking about the duration or the handling time, you might want to reconsider that depending on what you're looking to achieve. Right. Yeah, actually, that that wasn't where I, I thought you were going with the Zappos story. I thought, because I've read Delivering Happiness, Tony Shea's book, and I thought it was, or maybe it's a different example, but basically, yeah, after a long conversation, the phone agent figured out that the person loved pizza, got their address, delivered a pizza, and then it arrived at their door. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I might have missed that part. Yeah, I, I just kind of forget. But like, I always I always love the part where, you know, the, yeah, I mean, that, that's like exactly one, one really pivotal point that I might have forgotten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for bringing uh, that up. That, yeah, that's actually, I think, one of the reasons why, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's all about surprise and delight. And there's nothing more yeah. surprising or delightful than a steaming hot pizza at your door when you least expect it because you're on the phone with a support agent for shoes. But yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's another one. Yeah, that's exactly another one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, that's a, a truly exceptional customer experience, which it sounds like you're trying to deliver with LTV+. Plus. Um, and one thing kind of related to your name, LTV+, Plus, Lifetime Value+, Plus, a lot of people I think might see support as a cost center, whereas if done right, it might be a revenue center as in um, people are happy with their experience, become brand ambassadors, talk about it, share it on social about like their, their interaction. Can you describe some of the strategies that you might hear or you might employ in order to turn a support experience into a revenue driving experience? Yeah, for sure. We can maybe break this down with certain examples based on the channel. And so we can start with live chat as a good example. Live chat is not just a place for, well, obviously real-time support that's useful, helping people as they come through. And, you know, even first-time shoppers, that's a good way to clarify inquiries people might have about your shipping and returns policies, you know, clarifying about whether products, when, when they'll be restocked, you know, clarifying about the products that you have. But on top of that, it gives, live chat gives your agents the window to basically sell the appropriate products and also possibly cross-sell or upsell at the same time. And so, you know, when you have, uh, what we have pre-sales live chat, you want to have agents that are actually trained in that manner. It's not just providing support, but they are actively thinking about how can they best help the customer with the right products that your brand has. And so that creates the opportunity, for example, if someone were to buy I don't know, Um, just using fashion, for example, you know, if they're buying a certain pair of uh, shoes, you know, could there be like, you know, other kinds of shoes or or, or socks, for example, to match with those or other types of accessories that go with those. Or for example, if we talk about fitness supplements, right, you know, if someone is buying uh, some some sort of protein bars and stuff, you know, what other things could they complement with that? And they can suggest that. And so that kind of helps increase your order value as a result. So pre-sales live chat is one to consider. And then on top of that, we also talk about the uh, SMS piece, right? So, you know, not that, you know, live chat is now a sales conversion tool, right? You know, viewing that versus just customer support, you'll also have SMS as a good uh, way to increase lifetime value or increase your revenue as a result. So, you know, we were talking about the personalized approach now. Sometimes, like a lot of tools these days, especially with SMS tools, most of them are two-way at this point. It's no longer just, uh, you know, automated campaigns and then just calling it a day. When people respond to those campaigns, they're kind of expecting some form of interaction, right? Let's say, you know, okay, my credit card failed. I like to, I like to, you know, here's my new credit card details. I like to update that. But on top of that, you know, let's say, you know, going back to the protein bar example, and they're like, hey, I, I like to try a bunch of new flavors. Right. So, you know, could I just send that send a text over to whoever's on the other end of the line for the SMS? 
to help me do that. And when you have a human agent handle that or your customer service agent kind of reply to these two-way conversations, they can, number one, already help make that change for the customer. Number two, possibly offer or suggest other new products or promos that they might have at that time. And so you're, you know, the customer experience would then be even more awesome because they're going to be looking at that as like and say, oh, wow, hey, John actually got back to me, helped me do this and also suggested these different things, which are things that I'm looking for and that I can say yes. And so again, the subscription value increases over time as a result. And you know, you're leaving a lasting impression where customer service is actually looking out and being proactive and helping customers. Right. So those are just two examples that I can think of uh, off the bat right now. Right. So are you taking orders via SMS? Uh, well, basically at some level, uh, yes. Uh, you know, like because you know the the person has access, the the agents have access to you know the back end, and they can just kind of like figure out you know okay what do they need to do for for the person. They can just kind of take care of that for the and you let the customer in this case. Got it. Okay, so it's it's a very natural progression to upsell and then essentially like get confirmation that they want an upgrade or they want more, they want something else, and then they exactly they just exactly oh yeah that's exactly. Fantastic. And also, in fact, on the topic of SMSs as well, I think, because I mean, this is like one of the hottest channels right now. You probably already know that. And, you know, one thing, it's also the recovery piece, right? So, you know, when you, when you start hitting up people and they actually really want to churn or, you know, they're not sure they want to continue the subscription, that's kind of when agents are also, they have the uh, opportunity to make that recovery. And so it could be in the form of offering certain types of discounts, coupon codes, and certain kinds of like freebies on top of that to keep a customer so that they have an, so that the brand has an opportunity to win the customer back. I think that's a really good time for that conversation. Yeah. Interesting. So like e-commerce subscription brands, you you can't, it's not like a SaaS, a software as a service tool to self-cancel. You have to actually connect with somebody to cancel. Uh, no, you, uh, well, it depends on how the brand has set it up, but obviously, you know, uh, I think it's more, the context I'm bringing up here is more about when someone says, hey, I'm, I'm letting you know that your your credit card got declined because of X, y or, X or Y reasons. Mm. And they're like, hey, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, thanks for bringing it up. But yeah, actually, I, I, I don't think I wish to continue my subscription. And therefore, you know, uh, that's kind of when the agent has an opportunity to make that to make that recovery. If not, obviously they can process the cancellation as well. And I think that's, as, as what you said, it might, it might even be a better experience as well, because then the shopper does not have to go online, go log into their account and then make the cancellation themselves or do it over SMS. The agent can actually just carry that out once they, once they've had confirmation from the shopper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now maybe we could segue towards one related part, not direct revenue, but leads to revenue perhaps, which is reviews. And so a, a lot of brands are looking for customer testimonials or like a, a review counts for a lot with social proof and other people are looking to other customers' experiences in order to validate or, or uh, reason with why they should purchase one brand over another. Have you found any good strategies that are scalable in terms of knowing when to identify somebody who is primed to leave a review and then also how that kind of works on either an automated basis or like uh, something that you leave to the discretion of your support agent? Sure. Uh, so we can talk about the, I'll, I'll expand on the recovery cadence, like what we're talking about. I think that's also a very good opportunity in terms of reviews as well. So for example, when we talk about that 
example of like involuntary churn where we talk about fill payments coming through and people are happy like hey okay cool thanks for letting me know and and that's when you know because when you already have engagement going on the conversation going that's where typically agents can ask for uh, at some level some feedback for a start right so that's also kind of where you can kind of slide in and also suggest like hey you know if you really like what, what's being done a review at that moment would be really great. Another time on top of on top of that as well is to identify where you see, you know, really positive conversations that come through. And so we talked about CSAT before. If you see someone leave a review and or leave a leave a piece of feedback saying, hey, agent so-and-so, you know, did a really great job with this kind of handling my inquiry, really love it, really love your products, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of when you can actually reach out to them and say, hey, you know, why, you know, uh, we love to get a reviews and like kind of expand that because they're in that state where they're like, hey, they're really happy to talk about your product and the experience. So reaching out to them at that point, that would be a really good, good way to do it as well. And of course, you know, um, you don't just want to ask and not give something in return. On top of that, you know, you could obviously, if you have a loyalty program, it's kind of where you can also add in loyalty points. You can also add in a certain coupon codes or freebies. And so that encourages shoppers to want to do it versus, I mean, obviously they love your brand, but you know, it's still time being taken up. And so those are some ways to do it, be it manually or be it through you know, campaigns that you might send out, depending on how you set that. Mm-hmm. And this all relies, I mean, I like your approach on automating as much of it as possible, whether knowledge-based or or macros, but can you elaborate on what the tools are and how they define themselves and differentiate from the competition? So there's Gorgeous, for example, which might be one of the leaders or Reamazed, but I I know you're you're pretty platform agnostic, but (laughs) quick high-level view of like maybe where some of the tools might be best for brands, depending on what their different needs are. Sure. So let's talk about when we talk about the Shopify space. So Gorgeous, obviously, you know, they've been working a lot on their on on their help desk for Shopify for like, you know, I think it's one of the one of the almost natural go-tos for, for most brands, you know, depending on a pricing model, because, you know, again, you're paying per ticket, not so much on, on the number of users, which is helpful when you want to scale up your team or downsize your team. So understanding that influx. And also on top of that, they do have the, you know, they do have their level of AI implemented in their help desk where uh, they have a set of rules where they can detect the intent of the inquiry. And therefore they can, as if you've set up those rules and necessary uh, responses based on the intent, you know, let's say if someone were to come in taking the where's my order example, you know, they would already pop up. You could already customize to show up. Okay. These are the different macros that you can use to respond to where's my order, for example. Right. And, you know, the gorgeous is just one of the, one of the many tools as mentioned, it's because we're, we're platform agnostic, but we do work with gorgeous quite a bit. Uh, they're a really good partner of ours. And then of course, also, you know, we, we, we have other partners like rich panel, for example, and you know, the self-service model works well for rich panel and they're geared towards Magento, for example. And, you know, we do have a part, we're partners with Zendesk as well, you know, and, and, and a variety of other platforms like Freshdesk, et cetera. So, I think that's just some of the examples on, you know, that that's available. And I think, you know, when you dive into it, there's, we have a, on our website, we actually have a list that talks about all the top tools that you can check out. So that's at uh, go to ltvplus.com. You can check out the resources section. We do have a huge list of tools there and you can actually evaluate each uh, tool based on their uh, specialties, if you will. And obviously Reamaze is also a great partner that we work with. Uh, but it's obviously catering. Um, they have their different strengths to, to talk about. They do have rules as well. But I think um, I, <laughs> I think kind of diving in this topic is a, will, will be a little bit lengthy. And so I sure, think I'll leave, yeah. it to the, I'll leave it to the list to kind of explain that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and also, by the way, very diplomatic. Nice job. So, yeah, I, I was curious about scaling. 
and mm-hmm. preparation for scaling. I, I think we kind of touched on it earlier in, in, in terms of like the automations and, and knowledge base, but I, I know like the, the challenge of a support team can kind of like grow, say during Black Friday or, or the holidays, but then so it, you're constantly changing the demands. And I think maybe that's where you come into play with an interesting service, but maybe you can also talk about how you fit in, in terms of what the, the pricing model is and how a brand might do their calculations on making that investment of outsourcing. Sure. So typically this is, like you said, a really good use. One of the good best use cases is the influx, right? Like we're talking about peak periods, especially Q4. We know Q4 every year, that's kind of where when e-commerce brands, I think can make up to like 30 or 50% of their revenue for the year, even higher, depending on, on, you know, type of product, right? So preparation for scaling, you know, it's like, first of all, you know, you want to consider how do you look for these people? And now we, we can talk about it two ways, right? So working with us at LTV Plus, you know, we talked about brand voice. And so when we recruit or select agents, that typically means that we will look for people with the right profile. So for example, if someone who's very interested in fit, I mean, obviously if the brand is like fitness supplements or fitness products, you know, be it athleisure, be it, you know, maybe exercise guides, et cetera, you know, we will want to look for agents that are very interested in fitness for a start, because naturally that enthusiasm and that passion, you know, show, come, come through in the conversations that they have. So that's one. And so, uh, you know, looking for the, you know, that's what we do based on, you know, how, how, how brands are looking for people. And the second thing is, you know, how does the flexibility then work, right? When you're working with a partner like us at LTV Plus, you want to figure out, first of all, uh, what kind of coverage you're looking to achieve, right? You know, if it's like extending your 24-7 coverage, you know, then kind of figuring that out is it doubling or tripling your support layers in those areas. And so what we would typically do is sit down with a client and work with them uh, to understand what their coverage looks like right now. And based on historical data, what are they looking to expect? Obviously, every year it's different because, you know, sometimes some campaigns are work perform really well and you're going to get a lot of uh, growth at that point. But understanding, okay, you know, what are you, you know, projecting or what, what are you going to expect for customer support during this period? And so we would offer, for example, like, hey, we can staff up another five to 10 agents for the, you know, um, two a month period, three month period. And there's like a kind of like a scale where it starts small, you know, at the, at the peak, you know, kind of scale up to 10 and then kind of downsizing it back to five and then either tapering off to like one or two for the rest of the year, or, you know, or maybe, you know, there's continued growth, you know, even at the lull periods, maybe two or three through the year. And so we kind of work it out that way. And, you know, all clients, when clients work with us that way, they just give us this, we work with them to get the projections and we typically need anywhere between two to four weeks to kind of, you know, kind of stuff up or stuff down because we do have agents on the bench in a way. And so if, for example, a campaign goes really well and, and they need a people like tomorrow or the day after, we, t- we would typically have buffer agents in place. And mm. so they're able to step in, you know, for that period, uh, for that period to actually stuff up and help out at that, which is a really busy time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that sounds really interesting. Can definitely see a need for that. Now, I wanted to close out with an actionable item, something that you might recommend that a brand could do kind of like as as a signature way to spruce up their customer experience and stand out. Of course, if everybody does it, then it's no longer a differentiating thing. But what's something that you see as maybe an example of like, this is an amazing customer experience that a brand could consider? Sure. Let me, let me, let me think about that. But, but to answer the part where you talk about a differentiator piece, I think naturally all, you know, every brand strives to deliver the best customer experience. And I think the differentiator is just the brand itself. You know, like, you know, we talked about brand voice, the interactions, because 
you know, think like, for example, like, thanks for reminding me about the Zappos example, uh, right? You know, like kind of surprising and delighting people. I think that's one, obviously one way to do it. The other thing is just even as something as simple as responding to people on time, getting resolutions done very quickly. Those are good examples of how you can differentiate your customer service. But if we were to talk about something actionable that we can think of that can define great customer service right now, you know, I think it's really, really relying on personalization at scale. So what that means is, you know, as much as during um, the peak seasons, it's hard to kind of personalize every email that you that, that or, or conversation that you have with people. But I think that is made a lot easier when you integrate all your different technologies into one single help desk platform or help desk CRM so that an agent when they see a person that they're chatting with, for example, they're maybe chatting with you again, they can see, okay, you know, again, has shopped for these products before he, he's based here, you know, here, here, maybe even his birthday, for example, you know, and just kind of, you know, maybe on his birthday, like, Hey, you know, again, like, Hey, this is your birthday, happy birthday, blah, blah. And you kind of like, you know, have that conversation or for example, understanding like, okay, Hey, maybe you have contacted this brand on first on Facebook and then kind of moving on to chat and not having to repeat yourself, you know, mm. when sometimes it gets really irritating when you, you have to ask your inquiry twice because the person couldn't find it because it's not integrated. Whereas it's like, again, I started you, you know, hit us up on Facebook about this inquiry. We're already, we're in the process of, you know, getting that done for you, you know, while you're waiting, here's how, you know, check this out or like, you know, like, like, thanks for waiting for, uh, for this time. You know, we, we can get back to you in a day or two, whatever. And just having that full picture integrated and personalizing those conversations will be super crucial, I think, especially for 2022. And it's something that you can already do. Just integrate all your channels, ideally, or most of your channels into one platform. So your customer service team will have superpowers to do everything that they need to do. Yeah, that's a great point. We've actually looked at a gorgeous integration as an example. Couldn't quite find a convincing use case of where quiz answers would be helpful for a support agent, but I can definitely understand when you're talking like, okay, you see maybe previous tickets, you see their purchase history from Shopify, you see their email engagement maybe, or, or SMS or other things from Klaviyo, and it's all in a gorgeous CRM as an example. Exactly. Um, then yeah, it, that definitely creates a, a better customer experience. GQ, thank you so much for sharing all this. It's really interesting. I would love to, if you could share where on where people can learn more, like for example, the comparison of tools that you mentioned and where people could connect with you online. Sure. Uh, so we have a huge resources section on LTV Plus. We're constantly putting out blog posts, uh, case studies, we're putting out ebooks as well, or guides. We have like a, I think, top 100 phrases that you could use <laughs> or 100 oh, nice. phrases, templates for, 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 for chat. So if you're struggling to get ideas from your macros, you can check that out. But as mentioned, we do have the list of tools there. So you can start comparing and understanding what types of help desk tools or other technologies you like to implement for customer service. And if you'd like to chat more, I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Just look for GQ LTV Plus and you'll definitely be able to find me. Hit me up. I'm very happy to always have a chat. Awesome. GQ, thanks so much. And that's the episode for today. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We love you for it. If you found anything valuable at all or want to share your feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just drop us a line, hello at cartoverflow.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions so we can cover it in a future episode. All right, see you next time.